On today's show, we are continuing to ask the questions the Cavs will be asking as training camp opens up next week. We'll dive into all angles of these questions on today's show. Go back to yesterday's show, either on YouTube or on your podcast platform of choice for part one. Thank you for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. I'm Chris Manning, covering the Cavs and the NBA at large for places like Diamond Up Rocks and SB Nation Fear the Sword. My co-host is Evan Damrell at Meta's Right Down Euclid. We're continuing our show today talking some training camp questions. This episode, by the way, is produced by the wonderful Jake Stevens. All right, first question today, Evan, is something we did a whole episode on, um, so people can go and do this, but I think I, I, I think it is worth bringing it up again because I think this will be the main sort of talking point in the ether as far as it goes during training camp, but that is who starts with the three. And my opening thought about this um, is that I am, the more and more we've thought about this and if it's, and, and talk to people about it and whatever, if it's between Lavert and Okoro, and those are kind of the two front runners, it's like kind of an uninspiring like litany of options you kind of have between those two. I so just, I can understand. I like the, I like, I like, like the, the come to God kind of like hand motions you did there. That's why you got to watch on YouTube, people. Doc, Doc, bless everyone, but. I can understand both arguments on why maybe you're picking between Isaac Okoro and Karis LeVert for starting a three. And right now, I would say Karis LeVert's penciled in, not written in ink, but penciled in as a starting three right now. And I think it's going to be an open competition in training camp in the preseason. And who knows? Maybe it's not decided until 10, 15 games into this regular season as well. But just for me, at least, with the defensive issues that, at least on paper, Garland and Mitchell possess right now, and you maybe don't want to overtax and overask uh, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen to kind of cover them on the interior and also just kind of slow down opponents on the perimeter as well. It makes much more sense to start Isaac Okoro because he's also a low usage wing who can kind of have a minimal impact. Well, he already has a bit of a minimal impact on offense, but he can kind of fit in a vein where he's more comfortable playing off ball. And then you have Karis LeVert, who could be like your super six man where you could deploy him as like maybe more of your backup point guard alongside Hollow Neto, who can just set the table and then eventually Ricky Ruby as well. But like Levert gets way more opportunities, way more touches, and is able to kind of torch second units because he does have the pedigree to be a starting two or three in the NBA, but he's better suited for this Cavs team coming off the bench and just providing a scoring punch and kind of consistent ebb and flow of this team offensively when one of or both of Garland and Mitchell sit alongside uh, one of or both of Mobley and Allen as well. I think like it's just also telling that there's not like options, like wildcard options that I think we can either like fully take seriously as of right now or also just like feel good about like Osman who like provides the shooting you'd kind of need is very lacking defensively. And like I, I don't see that really being totally in the cards as of right now. Um, I, I just am also just intrigued to see how this looks during camp, right? Like 
this to me, Evan, is one of those things that I this is one of those times where, like I wish NBA reporters had the access and the fellow reporters do because I would like like to watch some of this. I would like to watch the practices. I would like to like give actual insight aside from like what the coaches say in their pressers and what the players say and like off the records of, I would like like actually see it with my own eyes and see how it sort of works. We would have more information um, than what we're really given access to. If that was just the different reality, I understand why and everything, but like, I, I think this is one of those things I would really like to see with, with my own eyes. Um, the other part of this is also thinking about like who gets minutes beyond like the guys that we would consider locks in the rotation. And I think like the locks would obviously be Mitchell Garland, Mobley and Allen and then you get into Kevin Love and then this is this is opening night this is not including Ricky Ruby who I think will be in the rotation when he comes back provided like he, he looks good and, and is comfortable healthy wise so we have the big four Kevin Love I think you get into Lavert and Okoro and then you get into like eight, nine, ten, and like unless I'm like galaxy brain forgetting someone like I think like a lot of stuff could be up for grabs i think the roster could be like kind of in flux i think like stuff like robin lopez we'll talk about more in segment two like will be could be matchup dependent like there are certain little factors in in who actually gets minutes i feel like you we kind of know who the main seven are going to be we know that we we kind of both suspect that ricky rubio plays when he gets back so like does that mean nato's gonna play uh, when he gets back, Neto's going to play and he's there. Is, is Stevens going to – like, what does this look like as far as beyond the top seven is sort of an interesting question to me. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought exercise in general, just how the Cavs can kind of deploy their lineups and rotations. And I I agree with a lot of what you said. Maybe Neto does crack the back end of the rotation, especially if Rubio looks right. And I mean, he's not going to be the same player, obviously, but he looks right as a player up to this point. And he's able to kind of just facilitate the offense a little bit and just be that third guard. And that there's defensive concerns, of course, with Neto, but like the, it could option, it could be an option, but I think it's going to be like between Neto, Stevens, Wade, maybe Lopez is in there too, depending on who, like you said, it's matchup dependent. Like if they're playing Philly or Milwaukee, you may want to throw Stevens or Lopez some extra minutes just to kind of deal with Giannis and some of the overwhelming sides they have in the interior or just Embiid in general, who's just an absolute monster. And then like, if you look at teams like Brooklyn, maybe you want to give Lamar Stevens more minutes just to kind of throw him at Kevin Durant a little bit to slow him down or just kind of handle the overall bloodbath that is you talked with David Ramil about that is going to be the Eastern Conference this upcoming season like the Cavs have some interesting ways to play chess not checkers in these lineups but for the most part it's going to be obviously Garland Mitchell Mobley Allen and then you have Love Okoro Rubio eventually but we'll put Neto there for now. Levert. Um, that's eight. That's, that's eight. eight. That's eight. But then, like, that ninth, ten spots, those are situational if the Cavs feel like they want to go that deep. Yeah. I think we'll talk about Nato and, and Lopez after the break. I think the, the one I'm most curious I, – I, that I'm most curious to see how they use him and what he looks like is – is Lamar Stevens just because I think defensively he provides something that JB Bickerstaff likes, and they don't have a lot of defensive options for threes and f- for like defend threes and fours. And I think if you ask me today, like who would I trust to maybe defend a bigger wing 
off your bench. Like if you had to go to someone in a pinch, like I would say Lamar over Dean Wade or like unless you're going to just have Mobley do it. I think Lamar is sort of like your one lever to pull in in that direction. And we'll see what the shooting looks like. But like he's a guy that I think like there's a path for him to have a clear role if things kind of can function from offensively. And and I'm and again, there's there's maybe trades to make. There's other roster moves to make. But I think Lamar is kind of the one guy on the fringe that I'm. I sort I have an e maybe Dean Wade too just because like we we saw him be, get used as a three and he can shoot but like I kind of just I could see Lamar like carving out something niche for himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, defensively, yes, there's a clear path for him, and I think the fact that he's well liked in the locker room and by the coaching staff certainly opens up avenues for Stevens to get minutes. But like, if he's more comfortable playing the three offensively if he's able to give you a little bit more than just like maybe a slasher or a guy who's a presence on the interior like if he's able to uptake the shooting numbers or something like that yeah there's a clear path for him to become more of a reliable option and like that's that's great like that's a feather in the cat for the Cavs player development program yes all right after the break we're going to dive into two specific veterans that kind of fit into this category that's Howell Neto and Robin Lopez but first going to tell everyone about our friends at Bet Online. Look at that shiny graphic. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchup news, and podcasts, including the upcoming slate of games this weekend. BetOnline is also your continued source for your sports wagering information, all of it, dare I say, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. For instance, Evan Mobley is plus 1,600 to win Defensive Player of the Year. BetOnline, by the way, has the Cavs over under at 46.5 after they acquired Donovan Mitchell. That's BetOnline. That's where the game starts here on YouTube. You see it. It's Bet Online. It's one word. Odds, news, and scores. Find all of the latest at Bet Online. All right. We are back here on Locks on Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damrell. All right. Evan, I'm going to uh, let's start with Robin Lopez because we've touched on, on NATO a little bit. I don't like totally feel like I have a grasp on. Well, no. Let me, let me rephrase that. I feel like I have a cleaner idea of like what Lopez's role is going to be. I think it somewhat depends on how much five Mobley plays, and we're gonna have to just see what that looks like. Um, Mobley played like a little over a thousand possessions last year at center. The Cavs had like seventy seven hundred possessions uh, for the year, so like that's it, not a insignificant chunk, but it's not a ton. Due to injuries mostly, they played uh, 16,041 possessions where neither Mobley or Allen were at center according to Cleaning the Glass. So, like, that's a decent chunk. I, I think Lopez, I could see him, like, playing against, like, Philly. I could see him playing against um, Milwaukee, depending on, like, if depending on what kind of lineups they're going to throw at you um, in a little Lopez battle. You know, I, I could see, like, if they play... Like pick pick the other like if they play Denver and Allen's in foul trouble maybe he he guards he has to come in and play in those situations right I don't like does he make sense in like a Miami matchup maybe not as much like I'm I'm curious to see how much they decide to play him in vis a vis like how much what that means for for Mobley as a as a growing into his body five 
So we talked about this a little bit with Martin Rickman when we had him on the show, just with what Donovan Mitchell and acquiring him provides the Cavs. And you, you intelligently mentioned that it doesn't really put much more pressure on Evan Mobley to kind of be ready right out the gates as like a more refined offensive player because as he pointed out over the summer he wasn't super refined offensively last season but he was very good at what he was good at last year so it's an interesting thought exercise for sure and I agree there are teams that are bigger um I mean he makes sense especially against Milwaukee he makes sense against Philly as we talked about um in the Western Conference like maybe Phoenix just with the Aiton because he's still rolling force and maybe or teams like the Lakers just because they have Anthony Davis and they need to throw an extra body at him as well or like a team like Denver because they need to slow down Nikola Jokic and there's a plenty of examples you could kind of just pull from but with Lopez, I think you bring him in more so for the locker room vibe situation. Like, by all accounts, he's a great teammate to have in your locker room. Like, he was very, very good for that young Orlando Magic squad last season. He was very good for those kind of poopy uh, wizard squads when he was there. Like, yeah, he had some pretty fun moments playing back up to his brother in Milwaukee. But, like, he has been through some kind of crappy situations, too, where, like, he can kind of keep the team steady. So, like, he's seen it all. He's seen bad situations. He's seen, like pretty successful situations in Milwaukee. So, like, he can kind of keep things perspective. He can be a key veteran voice in that locker room. He can kind of be that connective bridge between the coaching staff and the players as well because maybe, like, the players share something with him that they aren't sharing with the coaches, et cetera, et cetera, vis-a-vis. But, yeah, there's situations you could give him more minutes, but I just don't think it's necessarily, like, a huge requirement for the Cavs because, like you said, if Evan Mobley is able to take that next leap and play some minutes at the five, and so you have like Allen, Mobley, Love, let's just throw Wade into that mix as like your fourth ish big at that point. Like, that's a pretty okay, solid rotation there. Then you have Robin Lopez as just like the support unit, just in waiting in the wings if you need to call upon his number. And he just kind of falls in the same vein as Ed Davis did last season, where if you need him to play 10, 15 minutes, he'll play really hard for you, but you can't ask him to do that on a night-to-night basis because he just doesn't have that much gas in the tank anymore. And I think that's just kind of what you need from Lopez at this point. And to your point, like if you play a team that has a superstar big on it or a team that likes to play bigger, it makes a lot more sense to throw Robin Lopez into the fire and give him 10, 15 minutes tops at the back end of your rotation. Yeah, he, he's also not going like he's not a lob threat in the same way. Like like it's, it's oh, no, the he's diff- a hook shot. He's Captain Hook, man. Yeah, so like the, the 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 change they've made in like their backup center stuff is it was like last year it was like okay we get Moses Brown, he's gonna catch lobs and like we hope he's like competent enough with the other stuff to like because we want the lob threat. What they cl- kind of have chosen to do with Lopez is like okay we we want a more veteran presence that's gonna provide more stability and he's gonna be more of a defensive option than like just replacing the lap threat. Like they've decided like they've kind of moved away from that model for whatever reason. I think that's in itself just just kind of interesting. Um and I'm curious again, I'm just I'm really curious to see like what kind of role he carves out. NATO is kind of interesting too in that sense because like I think like when I think of Rubio and what we obviously saw him in Cleveland last year, so he's sort of a template for what they might try to do. He played bigger on defense. I maintain that his defense was much more impactful on the Cavs last year than his offense. I, I do mm-hmm. just believe that. Which is wild to think about with Ricky Rubio. Yeah, but it's like, and it's also just, it's just like he plays, so he plays bigger. And like NATO yeah. is not really going to do that. He's going to keep your trains moving on time. He is going to push the ball up the floor. There's stuff he's going to do that is helpful. So like how do they 
especially with Mitchell now, because remember he was signed well before they did this Donovan Mitchell trade. Mm-hmm. Do, do they like? Do they play him? Does Mitchell become the de facto point guard, and they put more wings and shooting on the floor? Um, I'm gonna Evan. While you, I turn this back over to you. I'm actually have never looked up what how Nato shot on catch and shoot threes last year, so oh, I'm gonna boy. do that, and I'll I'll report back in a moment. So, as you said, um, Halonato is definitely a table-setting point guard. He will do just enough to make sure um, the offense is in its right spots. He'll make sure everyone's getting their right looks and everything, too. Like, Tyus Jones is a guy we talked about a lot with the Cavs just looking mm. at, like, free agency point guards. Like, Neto is not the same player Tyus Jones is because there's just an age difference and just overall skill set difference just because I think jo- Jones has a little bit more in the tank, obviously, too. But, like, Neto being that quote-unquote bridge guard that lets you – drag this out a little bit until Rubio is right. Um, Chris Fedor reported this a while back that it may not be until February at this point that Rubio is really ready to play for the Cavs. And like, that's, that's seems understandable Mm -hmm. given the ACL situation in itself. And I think when you brought in Neto, you obviously brought him in initially to say like, okay, he will be the backup to Darius. We are not going to play two garden lineups because defensively it's going to get shredded. I think now, like, yes, Neto will still be that backup to Darius Garland, but I think adding Donovan Mitchell kind of like lessened the burden or maybe the necessity of having Neto there as more often than not because you probably will want point Don lineups because like those were really successful lineups in Utah where you just put the ball in Donovan Mitchell's hands and let him initiate and probe and run the offense itself and that kind of makes net a little bit redundant maybe you put a shooter next to Mitchell maybe you put a defender next to Mitchell instead in those scenarios but I think Neto just in certain scenarios it's just more so and we talked about this on Monday's episode too, where the luxury of having Donovan Mitchell next to Darius Garland is, is you can give one of those guys, the, or vice versa, like you can give one of those guys the night off. I think at least until Rubio is right, having Neto also gives you the luxury of maybe giving those guys the night off. Like you're not going to get the same production. You're going to be asking a lot more of the other guy, but there's ways to give him minutes. And also in back-to-back scenarios, you're probably not playing Rubio on both of those back-to-backs. At least I, don't, I would assume J.B. Staff is not going to play Rubio on two games in a row on a back-to-back. And then, like, on the second or the first, depending on the opponent, maybe you see Hollow Neto getting some burn instead of Ricky Rubio, and Rubio gets a probably well-deserved night off. Yeah, I mean, they've made it kind of clear through the reporting process and all, unlike in how they've talked about Rubio with, with folks, including Fedor, is... Like that, this is not just like a next year thing with Rubio. It's like the the year after. Like they view this as like a real multi year investment. Um, so that that I think that bears in mind the back and back part of it. So Neto, are cleaning the glass every year, um, since his since eighteen nineteen, he's been a a below average Sorry, three point. I, I misheard that date at first, and you were saying eighteen nineteen as in like his age. No, the year, he's 20s. no, the year eighteen nineteen. Like he's been around that long. Uh, he came into the league in fifteen sixteen, um, and then since the 2018-2019 season, his age is 26 and a half that year, according to the clean of the glass, uh, below average three-point rate, so he's not taking a ton of three. So uh, to go back, 2019-20, 45%, 45. 45.5% on one catch-and-shoot three per game. In 2020-2021, uh, that number is at two two a game at forty one point two percent, and then last year this is the this is where it gets like weird. And I now I this is jogging some thoughts in my head from um, us talking about it when they signed him. One point one catch and shoot threes per game last year with the Wizards twenty four point four percent. So like his three point shooting, just like 
fell off a cliff last year and like his three point percentage on catch and shoot was like basically half of what it was. So like if he can do some of that and it's like one a game and like he and he's making one like everything, I think you can like kind of live with with that. Um we'll see where I, I'm curious to see how they deploy him, especially plus Mitchell, because I kinda am curious to see like how much non-Garland minutes are just like maybe his role more than anything Evan is tr- is just defined by like what they do with the offense when Darius Garland sits and Donovan Mitchell's on the floor that like that might be dictating this more than just like what they think of how NATO yeah I think that's that's a really good way to put it because the Donovan Mitchell entering the equation certainly changes the calculus quite a bit where it's not really a simple formula that says, okay, we're subbing Darius Garland for Hollow Neto and eventually Ricky Rubio. Like, yeah, you could run the Rubio-Mitchell lineups to pretty successful results, I'd say. But the defensive concerns I have between Neto and Mitchell and the catch-and-shoot numbers kind of being that low, and yeah, that's jogging some memories for me too, and it's a lot lower than we realized, but it maybe makes you wonder, like, hey once Rubio's back and if he's right maybe do the Cavs really need Hollow Neto do they waive him and maybe use that roster spot to bring in a different type of veteran that happens to be on the market at that juncture alright one more break come back we're going to talk about year two of Evan Mobley as a training camp and we're going to do a big Mobley preview episode because he warrants it but this is going to be part of teasing into that we'll be right back alright Last segment, Chris Manning, Evan Damerel, Locked On Cavs, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Locked On is your team every day. So, Evan, the questions I really have for Mobley, again, are A, how much five does he play? B, like, what does how does his offense grow up? Like, what is the offensive evolution? And just, like, how, what kind of players do they pair him with? Like, is he, a, is he a, when he plays the five, is it him and, and guys, a bunch of guys who can shoot? You know, does does he does the defense kind of take less of a drop when it's just him and not just sound right? Like I, I'm expecting just these different level ups, and like I I don't feel like I know fully kind of what to expect and what they're gonna are. I, I guess the, the the broader question is like, how how big is like an Evan Mobley mega leap or like a a noticeable leap or whatever? And if it ends up being that. How important is that to the Cavs kind of like being the best possible version of themselves? And is like, what are you looking for as training camp starts? I I mean, if you get a mega leap from Evan Mobley, we're in a very different conversation with this Cavs team just because the, the gears have shifted. The identity of this team has shifted. Like Evan Mobley's saying, look at me, I'm the captain now kind of situation here. Um I think just from him, if you're able to get some floor spacing and just on offense, and you get something in his bag where like he has a reliable go-to move, he has a post game, he has something like yes, he can function as a pick and roll big with Garland or Mitchell. Um, yes, he can act as an offensive hub, but like we need a little bit more just to show like yeah, he's a little bit more refined offensively than he was during his rookie season because. I feel comfortable in saying at least that like his defensive foundation is just was just so rock solid in his rookie year, which is so abnormal for him as a player, just as rookies in general go. Um, that the Cavs kind of are in a very good spot there, where if they want to have Mobley at the five, I think yeah, they can play shooters next to him. Obviously, like if you run a four out one in lineup of Mobley at the five and you put him next to let's say like love garland mitchell and we'll put osmond in the mix there for now just Mm -hmm. because he's a shooter at the three like that that is a very tangible lineup for the Cavs, and like that gives one Mobley a ton of room to work offensively and two like 
you're going to be asking a lot of him defensively because you're covering for four dudes that are not very good defensively. And like, that's a tough ask in itself. But um, if you believe in your heart of hearts, like his trajectory and growth and like his trajectory was shooting through the stratosphere before the season ended, even he's pretty soon into his rookie season. We're like, okay, this guy's the real freaking deal here. But there's ways the Cavs can get creative with this where they don't have to be so regimented and stuck to the fact that they start two seven footers in their starting lineup and now they can kind of get creative with it where like Mobley is at the four and Allen's at the five there's lineups where it's just Allen at the five and it's the same lineup I mentioned before or it's Mobley at the five or you can still go big with it or you can still or you can go super small with it and we talked about like a three guard lineup like what if you play Garland, Rubio, Mitchell, Love and Mobley for your closing lineups in certain scenarios like that could be something the Cavs really explore too because you have three playmakers between your one through three there in theory and then you have Love who's just a really has a lot of three-point gravity and will keep defenses honest on the perimeter as well like there's ways the Cavs can get really creative with this where they don't need to have a super duper leap from Evan Mobley I think it's natural to expect he'll have a leap in his second season but if they get something like astronomical from him it changes things dramatically for this team but I think the way this team is built now they don't have to expect him right out the gates to be like guns blazing from three or like have his offensive like repertoire completely figured out at an NBA level. I am really, really just he's he intriguing. Is, he's so intriguing. The, there are just like so many ways I think this could go. And like training camp is obviously like not going to be the whole story of this. Like we're going to really need to see how it sustains and all of that. But like, I think, like, one of the – like, the Mitchell thing obviously is taking headlines right now, and, like, I think there's so much excitement about Garland, and some of what they do, I think, is, like, just easier to sort of digest because it's, like, they just, like, are, are getting buckets, and it's, like, very direct – and, like, where it's highlight passes and stuff. There are just, like, things in Mobley's game that are, like, very precise, very – like not super flashy that are still so excellent. And like, I'm curious to see like how much the Cavs like decide to structurally like lean on him and how they're doing things. Like it is kind of clear within like how the roster looks now. And like, maybe some of this is just like a current situation because of the Mitchell trade. And they're going to see how it works and adjust and, and all of that. It's very clear that like, they're very, they're pretty confident in Mobley and Allen mm-hmm. to like really kind of be the backbone of the defense. And I suspect that Mobley is a big part of that. And like, like, again, like, his offense was, like, kind of eh last year. His defense was all defense level. I think this is, like, an all defense level guy this year. But, like, does his – how much of a leap does his offense take? Like, I don't – like, I'm – I'm and I'm just – it's just one of the things. Like, on my list of questions for media day, like, next week, it's, like, JB, what are you expecting from, from Mobley in year two? Like, you know, like, Evan, like, he may not say a ton about it, but, like, Evan Mobley, what do you think about, like, what you're going to do in offense? And Evan's also like, I have also been working on my pull-up game. Thank you for clarifying because you almost teed me up to say I haven't done much this summer, but just a lot of cardio. You're not going to muscle – no muscle watch for you? No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a certified thick boy with two Cs. I need to, I need to trim, not gain. I, what what is Mobley even going to look like? I feel like it's going to be like a lot of like Twitter like discussion points of like what his like frame looks like in media day photos because like the, there someone is going to be like side by side like Zebruder framing like his like his muscle definition or just some weird stuff. Instead and of like, height watch, it'll be gain season. Like we'll just be a bunch of chads, just absolutely. Maybe we need to hire Danny Cunningham, like the most muscular like 
jacked guy I know to like just really say like, yeah, Evan Mobley's really been working on X, Y, and Z. Like you can see clear growth here. And well, shouts to Danny. Sorry, I keep ducking you every time you come on the show. He called me out at the Mitchell presser the other day. That's right. He, he, you deserved it. Um, like Evan, like instead of like who you're wearing, it's like Evan. What way have you been drinking this summer? Like what's been your what's been your go-to protein protein shake? Like what's what's the vibes, Evan? My you go-to. Know? The pill protein choice is always Bill Bar. It's it's made with 100% collagen protein, so it helps process in my body. So Evan, you're just throwing Bill Bars into your blender and like mixing them up with some oat milk. Like is that it, what we're doing it, here? It could be good. Be interesting. Um, fascinated by Evan Mobley. He is. I, I'm gonna start like going back and looking through some of his stuff from last year to kind of get us ready for mm-hmm. um his his episode when we get around to it and like. I, I'm he is I, I think so much of this job will be about integrating Mitchell and like what kind of lead Garland takes where, where this season goes really might in some ways be mostly about like what year two of Evan Mobley is at least close to it and I'm, I'm obviously very fascinated okay let's wrap up there Evan do you have any final kind of thoughts as we rip through finish ripping through no, not necessarily. Folks, if you have any questions you would like us to ask at Media Day, hopefully we can sink them into what we already have planned. But if there's certain things you'd like us to discuss with those who are available at Media Day and also just on the show, let us know. Like, uh, there's certain topics that maybe you want us to hear more about. But, like, the Evan Mobley Deep Dive is going to be a lot of fun. And, golly, after the after the Browns-Browns things last Sunday, I think a lot of folks are ready for the Cavs, and I'm excited for the season to start. Uh yeah, it should be very fun. What a there's just like a lot happening. You the, you landed that plane right very delicately, my friend. I'll give you that. I, I I did not. I fell off my horse like Ray Royce in the Vale. Shots to House of the Dragon. All right. Uh, thank you for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. This episode was produced by Jake Stevens. Uh, we are going to be back on Thursday. TBD exactly what it's going to be, but I, it looks like we are going to be uh, doing our Donovan Mitchell season preview episode because we're just going to kick things off with him. And then we're hoping, again, to still get someone we know who maybe knows Mitchell, can contextualize him better than anyone we know on the show to talk about him. Hope you guys tune in for that. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Cavs, again, your first listen. Now go and make NBA Top 50 on Lockdown NBA your second listen. Which NBA player moves the betting line the most this season? Lockdown and the betting line odds makers present the NBA Top 50 most viable players. Find it on the Lockdown NBA feed wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. I'm Chris. That's Evan. Everyone, be well. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.